0: We recently launched Liberation Martial Arts Online for trainers, collectives, and individuals that were looking for a program to follow that was chud-free or perhaps one that came directly from us. Thanks to Sarah Sinha, Taryn Soon, and Atlas Tan for signing up. If you would like to sign up for Liberation Martial Arts Online or you just want to increase your financial support for the Southpaw Project, you can find special tiers on our Patreon. If you'd like to listen to all of our shows without any breaks or interruptions, you can find uncut versions of our shows also on Patreon. This is Sam. And this is Fight Fight Study. This episode was produced by S.H., M. Shelton, Nathan Rickey, and New Guy. UFC 280 is upon us and the card is stacked. In the main event, we have Charles Oliveira fighting Islam Makachev for the vacant lightweight title, a title Oliveira previously held until he lost it on the scale at UFC 274. This fight against Makachev will be Oliveira's fourth title fight in a row, winning the previous three and his last 11. Makachev is going into his first title fight on a 10-fight winning streak. The co-main event is bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling making his second title defense against former champion TJ Dillashaw. The last headline fight is former bantamweight champion and number one contender Piotr Jan fighting number 11 Sean O'Malley. First, let's discuss Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. Oliveira and Makachev are examples of how you can have two different iterations of the same fighter type. They're both grapplers who come forward and use striking to set up grappling exchanges. Oliveira is the longer of the two, who puts out more volume and constantly marches forward without resets. He's like an avalanche crashing downhill. Every move feeding into the next with no pause for the opponent to think or adjust. Makachev is the stronger of the two, who generally likes to press forward, but not if it's not on his terms. He will reset and move laterally and burn out the clock until he finds an opening. Makachev is a strategic fighter, whereas Oliveira is an algorithmic fighter, where the last attack informs the next attack. Oliveira's last four fights have been against fighters willing to crash into Oliveira and oblige him in trading in the pocket. Since this is ultimately a 50-50 scenario, Oliveira tends to get hurt. But since the fight is on his terms, he can make adjustments and outlast his opponents in the chaos. Oliveira wants to clinch, and so does Makachev, but their goals are different once they get there. Oliveira wants a continuous onslaught until he gets a finish. Makachev's goal is elegantly simple. Smash. But what does it mean to smash? Makachev, like his former teammate and now coach Habib Nurmagomedov, doesn't emphasize the takedown, but what happens after the takedown. Keep your opponent on the ground while constantly applying downward pressure. If you're rolling with someone at the gym and they submit you, that's part of the game and you roll again. But if they smash you, even if they don't submit you, you don't want to roll with them again. Being smashed is not only more physically taxing, but also mentally. Oliveira's willingness to go to the ground makes him a tough matchup for Makachev. The fear of being taken down makes fighters hesitate against Makachev which has them missing opportunities to hurt him. And hurting Makachev is what will make him hesitate. Makachev has gotten stuck in guillotines in the past, which is one of Olivera's best submissions. However, that usually comes against wrestlers who Makachev couldn't take down with a body lock. Oliveira always has an explosive first round, but Makachev is fine with having uneventful rounds. Makachev is also happy to be chased, only to get a takedown against an opponent coming forward. It's also as his opponents come forward that he catches them with his left straight and left high kick. Makachev, being a mobile southpaw grappler, poses new threats to Oliveira. Makachev will be further away and harder to clinch. Against Dustin Poirier, a southpaw boxer, Oliveira reached the lot to close the gap. He also used rear front kicks to close the distance. Those are all opportunities for Makachev. Oliveira has had corrective eye surgery, but his improved vision shouldn't be a difference maker against a grappler. Once the fight goes to the ground, the size and patience of Makachev will make the difference. Oliveira expends a lot of energy in everything he does, making him both dangerous and fun to watch. Makachev, won't expend that same energy. I think Makachev plans to make this a battle of attrition and force Oliveira to expend more energy than he does, then smash him. Oliveira wants Makachev to be a step behind in everything he does and get sloppy. A note to our loyal listeners, if you love the Southpaw project, please support us and help us get paid for our labor by financially supporting us on Patreon. This will give you access to exclusive bonus content like early releases of Southpaw Deep Space Nine, break-free versions of our shows without interruptions like you're hearing now, Liberation Martial Arts Online, as well as our private chat group on Discord. You can also make one-time donations at Ko-Fi or show your Southpaw solidarity by wearing our swag. You can find all pertinent links at Southpawpod.com. Next is Aljamain Sterling versus T.J. Dillashaw. Sterling is the younger, bigger, more active champion. Dillashaw has been out for a long time from both performance-enhancing drugs and a litany of injuries. Sterling should be the easy pick, but stylistically, Dillashaw poses several challenges. First, Dillashaw doesn't tire. Second. Dillashaw is a tricky kicker who also stance switches. Third, Dillashaw will wrestle. Fourth, Dillashaw is durable. Sterling can outstrike strikers, but he doesn't hurt them. Part of his striking success is an extension of his ground success. Like Makachev, the more dominant he is on the ground, the more success he finds standing. Sterling doesn't necessarily have poor stamina. It's more that he has an incredibly high output. Where it'll get interesting is if Dillashaw gets takedowns early or the fight goes into the fourth and fifth rounds. But can Dillashaw prevent going to the ground and getting his back taken? If he does get his back taken, can he fight off the choke for the rest of the round? Much like Charles Oliveira, back exposure against Sterling, even for a second, is a second too long the best defense for Dillashaw will be to take the initiative. Either make Sterling defensive or kick Sterling when he's shooting, as Marlon Morias did. Even threatening knees and kicks can make Sterling hesitate. But the ground isn't the only way for Sterling to win. If he can get Dillashaw to chase him, he can use his reach to land counters on the back foot and outpoint him. Dillashaw, we know, can make adjustments in the middle of the fight. He showed that against Corey Sandhagen. In both of his fights with Piotr Jan, we saw Sterling fade. Like Makachev, I think Dillashaw will look for opportunities while dragging the fight out. Unlike Makachev, however, Dillashaw has a proven track record for hurting his opponents while standing. Sterling, on the other hand, will want to make Dillashaw miss, then keep scoring and win the rounds. If Dillashaw gets frustrated, that's when Sterling will take him down and look to finish. The question is, what happens when they clinch? Will that be an opportunity for Dillashaw to do to Sterling what he did to Sanhagen? Or will that be an opportunity for Sterling to outgrapple grapple Dillashaw? Sterling will want this to be a submission grappling match. Preferably one where he's still fresh. But Sterling should have adjusted his output now that he's fought five-round title fights. Should. Lastly, Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley went from fighting mostly obscure fighters to a contender's fight. That's a big jump in competition. Another significant change not fighting in Las Vegas. He's had 10 fights in the UFC, including contender series, all of them in Vegas. Piotr Jan has already fought twice in Abu Dhabi. Can O'Malley adapt to all these sudden changes? One thing we can assume is that the moment won't get to O'Malley. His self-belief is beyond his experience and ranking. In Jan, we have a striker who fights from a traditional Muay Thai range and stance. On the other side, O'Malley, the taller, longer fighter, fights more like a karate practitioner. Stylistically, this is reminiscent of Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor, without all the bad blood. And since there is none of the same bad blood, it's unlikely that Jan will run face-first into an O'Malley counter. Despite not having the same strength of schedule, O'Malley has still shown that he's a powerful, accurate, and clever striker who uses the full extent of his reach. He looks for opportunities to hit his opponents when they can't hit him. This is very much like prime Conor McGregor. But there's something else that's like McGregor. When O'Malley throws his rear punch, he tends to drift forward. Longer fighters missing and drifting or punching into his forearms and falling into range is how Jan overcomes distance. Jan also has a defensive style that doesn't overreact to feints. O'Malley needs his opponents to bite on his feints. O'Malley fights from a long stance, like McGregor, which makes it easier to hop in and out to deliver power shots, but harder to block kicks. Jan will not only kick the lead leg, but he will work the entire body. He also punches high and low. If Yan lands a combination, he often finishes with a spinning attack to get around his opponent's high guard. Being further out means you'll hit with the end of your leg when you throw a roundhouse kick. When you're punching, hitting at the end of your reach is fine. But when it's a roundhouse kick, you'll land with your foot or ankle, possibly to your opponent's elbow you will notice Steven Thompson mostly throws sidekicks or kicks to the head because he knows the dangers of roundhouse kicking to the leg or body from this range. This is likely how McGregor got injured against Poirier and O'Malley against Marlon Vera. Like Oliveira, Jan is like an avalanche coming toward you. But unlike Oliveira, he's better at defending while pressuring and attacking. O'Malley is deadly accurate and has the death touch in his right hand. But this feeds into Jan's style. However, since Jan builds his offense throughout the rounds and spends the first round getting his reads, this could be to O'Malley's advantage in a three-round fight. Could. For the rest of the card, despite having strong headline fights, the rest of UFC 280 is just as strong. Benil Dariush versus Mateus Gamrod is divisionally important, but also an exciting matchup. Manon Furo is a hot prospect, and Caitlin Chukagian is the perfect test to see how close she is to a title fight. Bilal Mohamed versus Sean Brady not only has title implications, but also presents a fascinating question about the strength of Brady's grappling. We know it's good, but is the championship level good? Nikita Krylov and Volkan Ostomir are two solid veterans who have spotty records, but despite that, can compete with the best at light heavyweight. This fight will be about who puts together a two-fight win streak and moves forward in the division. So with so many interesting fights, UFC 280 might a card actually worth buying might if you like this episode and you like what we do support us on Patreon we also have the Liberation Martial Arts program if you want to train with us from wherever you are there's lots of techniques exercises theory pedagogy and even political theory believe it or not you can find Liberation Martial Arts online also on our Patreon You can find Southpaw Birch at our store. You can find all pertinent links on the show notes. With all that said, thanks for listening.